What's up? Happy Monday. FT Live. Let's begin the offseason. Let's get people assigned to their manager roles. Besides Kratz. Stop pushing Kratz to manager roles. That's what he wants to do. Is it though? What, I mean, he's Kratz, said it. if you could have one job, obviously besides FT host, what would it be in baseball? Because I know what it would be. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Own the Oakland A's. <laughs> a, I wouldn't want to move out to California. B, I have. I'm already managing. I have a lifetime contract. I'm managing the high school team. Exactly. Okay, take that back. Own the Scranton. Whatever. No. The rail rider thingy. The rail riders that he wears the hat of every day, and the Clippers. One of the two. No, not Columbus Clippers because they don't want to move. So. Oh, oh, you mean? Oh no, we'll have to wait nope, to see. Not yet. Not yet. Two hours away. So today we're going to talk to Max Muncie in about an hour about his contract extension with the Dodgers. Um, Andres Jimenez, who won another Gold Glove and has a new skipper. Um, we'll do that later on. And then Kyle Glazer is going to join us in about 15 minutes to give us the lowdown on Yamamoto, who <gasps> pitched way too many pitches the other day. I don't know. Might turn some people off. We'll get to it. Let's charge the damn mound and go over some money moves. So there were a billion transactions over the last three days. And yes, there's some manager news and some front office news in terms of who has filled some roles. But let's start with some player news. Anything stand out to you? I mean, obviously, for example, we can show this tweet. The White Sox are declining the option on shortstop Tim Anderson. It's not a surprise given the season that he just had. It was $14 million. It wasn't going to happen. Um, Any of the options that were either picked up or declined that stood out to you. Eduardo Rodriguez opts out of his deal, three years, $49 million. Marcus Stroman's going to be a free agent now as he opts out of his deal. They all made sense, right? Everyone. Chad Green picked up by the Blue Jays. They picked up his weird option situation two years, about 21 mil. Sean Mania. Sean Mania's one was, was interesting to me. I And I looked at it a little bit more. He had more success down – down the finishing like two months of the season. I think he was supposed to still make 20, 12 and a half million. I just think he's, I think it's an intriguing thing that he's now a free agent. I think there's, I think he's part of that third tier, third tier of pitching. You know, I feel like he could be like a, although everyone's pumping up Giolito, I feel like he could be like a, in, in that realm, like somebody, that wasn't a starter. Somebody like the Brewers could pick him up because he wasn't a starter. He was used in the bulk role. But I think I think he threw like 117, 120 innings, something like that. I think it would give, give somebody an opportunity to say, eh, we could probably buy low with this guy. Yeah, but why the hell not take his $12 million option? That's what doesn't make sense. He's gonna get why more wouldn't than, he? He's going to get more. You think he's going to get more than $12.5 million? Yes. They only do this if they think no. they're going to get more. No, I understand that, but I mean, oh, yes. I mean, he won't geez. get 12 and a half a year. Like, he didn't pitch very well this year. He's going to get more than 12 and a half million Is he a reliever? Is he neither? He's a starter. He Why is was he awful a, as a starter this year. He was a bulk guy coming in sometimes after but he the was, opening. When he started, he didn't pitch very well. So which one is he? I mean, he's got to have a good agent. Here's my thing. There, there was no one that really surprised me. I mean, I was surprised Rodriguez, you know, Erod, 349. He can probably get more than that because it's a, it's a weaker-ish Free agent class. Strong Everyone needs three starters. Oh, I know. I understand that. Tim Anderson, that was 
that was probably the one that was probably the hardest decision for the White Sox because he was a first round pick and he'd been there for a while and everyone thought he was the, you know, going to be a superstar and he kind of fizzled out this year. Um, you know, 14 million though. The question is what are the White Sox? I love, I love reading some of the White Sox quotes from like Chris Getz and they're like, we're not rebuilding, but we don't have a shortstop, a starting pitcher, a right fielder, a second <laughs> baseman, a catcher. We don't have like seven positions, but we're not rebuilding. We're going to be better next year. Like what? Like what are you talking about? Like that doesn't make sense to me. But again, I think they, White Sox are the best. They're disrespecting the AL Central, saying, "Well, also that's also we true. can turn things around in five minutes in that division." Which yeah, yeah, it's the easiest division in baseball. If you spend money, correct? Are they going to spend money? You tell me. Probably not. I mean, we all know the answer to that. So if you're not, but again, they don't. They have they have Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease that are starters. If you Kopech's a starter again, they have no catcher Corey Lee who hit like 0-52 this year. I don't know what the exact numbers were, but it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Their first base fine, second base they have no shortstop unless they bring up Colson Montgomery, who's their number one prospect. He's going to come up next year. But mm-hmm. is he going to start the season in the big league? He's Corey Seager. Okay. You say so. That's I mean, what the I'll comps think, are. Yeah, and I'm, and I was Johnny Bench. I mean, I hope he is. I hope he turns out to be Corey Seager. That'd be a hell of a get. Third base, Mankata. You counting on him? I mean, they got Luis Robert in center. You got Eloy who can't stay healthy, and in right field they got. I don't know. Yeah. And, and then we mentioned their bullpen. They gave up on Hendricks. They traded Graveman. They got rid of Kelly. They got Aaron Bummer. I guess Aaron Bummer's going to pitch every inning. They have the know. opportunity to build their whole team back in one offseason. In one offseason. <laughs> that, that works well if you're the Yankees and you're going to spend $500 million, Or you're the Rangers and go out and get Seager or Simeon. Uh, I mean, listen, I, Chris Getz, he, you know, he, he's the new GM. He's got all the power, so I hope he does the right moves. Mm-hmm. Any idea what their payroll is now with all of those guys? Technic- I know some of them, you know, they have, they have to pay for their options, but like – I'm sure they couldn't just get rid of Tim Anderson. I'm sure there's some kind of buyout that was in his contract, but like they have so much, are they going to spend more than 50 million this off season? Like on, on not overall, but like on next year's salaries. Well, they, they were at 190 something million this year, right? Yeah, it was something like that. 197. I think it was, I think it, was. it was like in the top 10 in baseball, the White Sox. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was high. I thought they were like one seventy something, but it was you would know 10. better. It was in the top ten in baseball going into the season. I will find that out. Can't put me on the spot but, like that. Well, I'm just saying I, I, they were top ten in baseball because that was the whole thing. They're like White Sox fans, are like we're spending all this money and we lost a hundred games. Now we're not going to spend any money and we're <laughs> not going to lose a hundred games. I, I don't know. I, I thought I think it's an interesting approach. Hopefully, it works out. Um, obviously there'll be some non-tender guys you can pick up. There'll be some trades you're going to have to make, but what was it? It was one opening day, uh-huh. 181. Okay. And it was 14th. So okay. mid range. Okay. Not, not, not far off. You're right. The highest in the central, wasn't it? Maybe the twins. I think theirs were higher. Yeah. They were higher than the twins by 30 million. So the white Sox were the highest in the central clearly because yes. Kansas city went higher. Detroit went higher. And yes. Cleveland definitely wasn't higher. Yeah. So, you, and then they, I don't know, they freed up. It's much higher than Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, props. I think I think there's a lot of work to be done there. And, and, and here's the thing for me with Tim Anderson. You just gave him up for nothing. Why not bring him back at $14 million? It's $14 million, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. to. Is he going to get that on the market? I don't know. I don't think so. But here's the thing. If, let's say he goes into spring training, bangs, gets off to a hot start. There's going to be a team out there that's going to need a second baseman, a shortstop, something. But you, you could trade him and you get could sign him for less. 
They're gonna I mean, re- do you think they're, not gonna, going they're not going to gonna re-sign him? I understand that, but I'm saying they're saying that the value's not there right now. Okay. I mean, all right. Throwing that out you need a oh, starting shortstop in the big leagues. Whatever you say about Tim Anderson, no power this year, you know, his batting average down, all that stuff, on-base percentage, a starting shortstop in the big leagues is really hard to find. You're not just plugging somebody in. But he's, also, just like, he's also not a plus defender. He's also not a – He had. I mean, he hit one home run this year. He had an awful year. I mean, listen, everyone has bad years. You just don't normally see a guy go from, like, hitting 300, 300, 300 to hitting 200 with one homer and bad defense. I mean, whatever metrics you look at, the defense wasn't good. He didn't steal okay. bases because he couldn't get on base. He doesn't walk. So the power is in the hit – or the value is in his hit and his speed. But if you can't get on base, you can't run. And if you can't hit, you can't get on base because he doesn't walk. It's just an interesting conundrum with him because I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what he gets. I mean, listen, I hope Tim gets everything he wants and ends up at a place where he plays every day and gets money. Everything to me was pretty status quo. The only thing I want to point out, and then we have breaking news on the manager front, Mark Hanna was traded. So that was the first, in my mind, significant trade. It's an MLB player. This is a big league regular outfielder. Yes, the power and the defense, I would say, even last year went down a little bit for him. But overall, I mean, he played well with the Brewers. He is an on-base guy. He goes from Milwaukee to the Tigers for a prospect. And in my mind, Kratz, this is pretty classic Brewers. They're not going to spend, what is it, six figures. No, 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 sorry, seven, eight figures (laughs) in one season on an outfielder like this if they don't have to, right? Uh, Obviously, the Yelich contract's a different beast, but... It was an $11 million option. Clearly, they were going to decline it, so they shopped him around, and the Tigers are like, yeah, sure. For them, I think it's a great pickup. They need a Mark Canna in that lineup, in that clubhouse, getting on base like that around an outfield now that could be pretty decent. I mean, Riley Green is going to be a good ball player. He already was, and, I mean, the ceiling is off the charts. And then I like Parker Meadows, too. So that's a nice little trio out there that they picked up really for not much. It'll help. It'll help those young hitters that you know have already been in the big leagues and are going to keep coming up to the big leagues. I think his professional at bats. You saw what him and Santana did to that Brewers lineup. Ultimately, it wasn't enough, but the fact that they essentially, you know, they traded him. He didn't have another year on his contract. The option had to be picked up, and for eleven million, you're getting an eleven million dollar player who had a. Above two, I think, war this year. A guy who gets on base. A guy who is going to steal you double-digit bases. Like, you're paying $11 million for a solid player that I think if the Tigers become a team that starts going after that AL Central, obviously they're going to need pitching. Obviously they're going to need – their young guys to step up like Torkelson, you know, he got his 30 homers last year. So you're starting to see some of these young pieces and you add in Mark Canna type of pieces. I don't know if the Tigers are ever going to go to the level of spending like they did back in the, you know, Cabrera and Sheffield and Pudge and Curtis Granderson era, but that's a great pickup for him. And anytime the Brewers pick up a reliever in a trade, that had like some success the year before at one of the higher levels in minor leagues, you're like, mm, that guy could be pretty decent. Dude, I, I, I know, Kratz, you have a love for the Brewers, but it's been funny to me on the show. You've already said that they're like making all the best moves. They're going to pick up everybody. 
I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like he's like, well, they could pick up this person. They got they got rid of Cam Reaver. They're gonna make. And I'm like, man, dude, if the Brewers if the Brewers make all these moves, they might actually get to the World Series. But wait, the biggest news of all, it sounds like their manager's not coming back. Yeah. Ready for this? Let's drop it. Breaking news. There's all kinds of manager dominoes falling right now. So first off, the New York Mets are hiring Carlos Mendoza as their next manager. 43 years old. He was bench coach for the New York Yankees over the past four years. I'm going to drop this down at the same time, okay? Because I think many people in the, the Mets world, or at least that were following the Mets, thought that Craig Council might end up there. We saw that the Brewers gave him a pretty substantial offer. There were reports out there that they made him an offer to be the highest paid manager. Ready for this from Ken? Oof, the tweet just disappeared on me. Mm -mm. Hold on. Well, Craig Council will manage next season. This is from Ken. But not the Brewers or Mets. He is heading to a team with an existing manager. Matt's hiring Carlos Mendoza per White Sox, Joel, John, etc. Can we say White Sox? Are they going to make manager ever? Can we say White Sox? This is Close not a White Sox show. Okay, it's not a Brewer show either. But I mean, we get it. We got it this morning. I've, well, we have Brewer I've mentioned. I've mentioned <laughs> second tier players that could sign with the Brewers for a low cost, and. <laughs> And AJ's you said Sean, you said Sean Mania was going to the Brewers. The guy that whoever they picked up for Mark Canna, the the reliever guy. I mean, you're like Craig Council. <laughs> you're like, man, ever these again. Brewers might get there for the first time since '82. Harvey, they're bringing back Harvey's wall bangers. Damn it! <laughs> and T plush, T plush. Niger Morgan's right. gonna Niger Morgan's gonna be the bench coach. I don't know. Where can Council go? A team with a manager. So they're just going to be like, hey, by the way, you're fired. We're hiring Craig. Oh, but that teams have done that before. All right. You got to say, who is it? Who do you think it is? Yeah, I'm trying to think of who. I was, I don't know. Definitely the Rangers. They hate Bochi. <laughs> Astros. Do the Astros have a manager? No. No, uh, they don't count. Someone with an existing manager because Dusty Baker retired. But it's got to be a team ready to compete because Craig Council is not going to go to like. Can I throw an idea the out there? What about the Yankees? Oh, no way. They would do burn, Boone dirty like that? That would be dirty, dirty. That would be dirty, dirty. Oof, I can't. Help me out. Throw teams out there. Maybe you they're going to hire counselors. They just lost their bench coach. Maybe they're going to have a counselor's manager make Boone the bench coach. No. Okay. Well, I'm just looking at tweets. Jim Bowden said, Counselor of the Padres makes way too much sense on so many levels. Wait and see if it happens. Angels also have an opening. But Ken said... Not there's an existing manager. See you later, That's Scott. Service. Oh, gonna that was the one. Sir, Seattle was really the one. no <laughs> way. No way. Seattle's not paying top no, dollar for plus, a manager. Plus Seattle. Plus Council tries to win more than fifty four percent of the time. So <laughs> no way. He's not going to be able to manage in Seattle. That's, that's a definite no. Uh, Royals. No, he wouldn't. See you later. There. See you later, Tigers, no. Carlos Marmol. Well, it's Ollie Marmol. So I know Carlos it's Ollie Marmol. Marmol. Thank you. Carlos Marmol was a, was a pitcher that he was once. Bought a Ferrari and tried to drive around, and he couldn't get it over a certain mile per hour. And they asked him if he had taken the emergency brake off, and he hadn't. So it was it wouldn't go over like forty miles an hour. He couldn't figure out why. That's a true story. Wait, so repeat that. I was he bought a Ferrari. Tweets. Who is this? Carlos Marmol. Carlos yeah. Marmol. He was a closer for the Cubs, and he boop, bought it and it had the emergency brake on. He took it out to drive it, and he's like, "It won't go over forty miles an hour." And he brought it back in. He never took the emergency brake off. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's not going to be the manager. Chapman <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bought uh, a Ferrari or something, Lamborghini, and tore the tore the uh, exhaust system out of it driving into the Louisville Bats parking lot when he was playing for the AAA Reds. Who? 
Chappie, uh, Raldis Chapman. All right, let's stay on task here. Because okay. also, in terms of manager dominoes, um, we might as well just drop this in here now, too. Stephen Vogt is the manager of the Cleveland Guardians, right? By the way, that's uh, been reported. Carlos Mendoza's go. Wikipedia already has him as the manager of the Mets. Though. Do you guys know any of these people, too? They look at you guys. Do you know Vogt? Do you know uh, Mendoza? I know Vogt, obviously. Okay. I'm playing against him, but I don't know him. Kretz knows him way better. What are you doing? Oh, is that to you? I to your diary? I, I I hung it up. Yeah, Voter's a guy, man. I played with him when he was when he was injured in Milwaukee. They brought me in because he wasn't going to be able to come back. And then the Giants, in a turn of events, brought him in to take over my spot in San Francisco next year in 19. Awesome dude, great friend, family. The our wives are friends. His kids are freaking super cute and. He's gonna be he's gonna be great in Cleveland. Whatever Cleveland puts behind their organization, players wise, that's a whole nother topic. But if there's somebody that can get them, get the most out of a team, I'm thinking it's him. Obviously, he's never managed before, but he is just a great connection guy. He does a great job of understanding so many players because he was everything. He was an all star. He had a guaranteed contract. He was a non-prospect. He became, you know, he built himself into the player that that he ended up having an incredible career as. I'm waiting, Scott. For who it is? It's not going to break this second. He just Why? wrote you know out it? breaking a second. No, not that break. Oh. Uh, that's in our group chat. I said. So you guys didn't that. even say. You guys need. Who do you think he's going to? You got to. I gave you. Names. I love. I love this one. No, we need a lock. I love that's this one. Somebody had. An, uh, who was it? Derek, one of our guys that works for us, said Boston. Cora moves up to GM. Breslow, boom. Breslow, boom what? Breslow's president of baseball ops. Yeah. Slide Cora into GM. Council into manager. It's not a bad thought. And they'll pay. Hang on one second. Players. Hang on one second. Are Did Breslow ever come across council in his playing days? Probably. Does that matter? Yeah, does that Breslow matter? I don't know. Kyle Glazer from Baseball America, senior writer, joining us right now. You can follow him at Kyle A. Glazer. And Kyle, great to see you. Happy uh, off-season to you, obviously, as you can tell. Pretty busy day already. How's your week going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Just got back from wrapping up the World Series last week and uh, came back this week, took care of some stuff around the house. And I'm on the West Coast, so wake up Monday morning. A lot of news right away. Definitely uh, a busy Monday already. But this is the fun time, the off-season. Agreed. I want to jump right into your coverage of Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is going to be one of the highest paid free agents this offseason. You've been covering him for years. So first off, let me just get your big picture look at what you've seen from him. You know, anything you can give us that has been unique to your experience of covering him over the last several years. Yeah, look, this is one of the best pitchers to come out of Japan. And, and that's saying something when you look at the history of Hideo Nomo and Masahiro Tanaka, New Darvish, of course, Shohei Otani. He has just won his third straight Sawamura Award, which is the equivalent of the Japanese Cy Young Award. He's a back-to-back -back winner of uh, the MVP award in the Japanese Pacific League. He's the only pitcher in Nippon professional baseball history to throw no-hitter in back-to-back -back seasons. Again, Nomo didn't do that. Tanaka didn't do that. Darvish didn't do that. This is one of the best, most decorated pitchers, not just in the game today in Japan, but all time. And that's saying something when you consider the rich history of pitchers to come out of Japan. 
Is there a concern that he kind of had a, uh, I mean, a down year in his in his terms compared to the previous two years when he was absolutely lights out? No, not at all. I mean, when you consider his down year is he just struck out 14 batters in game six of the Japan series, breaking a record for a single game Japan series uh, mark set by Yu Darvish and just won his third straight equivalent of the Japanese Cy Young Award. And what we saw just from a scouting perspective is he was already great. He's someone that teams have wanted for years. But talking to some pro scouting directors, they feel like he took even another step forward this year, just in terms of the crispness of his stuff, how quickly and efficiently he was working. Um, this is someone that isn't just someone who's going to come over and be a part of a staff. This is someone who can come over and lead a staff as a number two starter. No one sees him as anything worse than a number three starter. And whatever reservations teams had about maybe he's a little on the small side, he's plenty strong. He's shown the ability to hold his stuff deep into games. Um, there were very few doubts about him coming into the year, and whatever lingering doubts there were, he eliminated them. He's a consensus, you know, front of the rotation type of arm in MLB. Well, there's one good thing he doesn't have to worry about. He threw 138 pitches in his last start. He ain't going to have to do that in MLB. He'll throw 70, and they'll be like, yep, you're tired. Time to hit the bricks, kid. See you in a week. I mean, that's a good thing, right? He's shown the ability to do it. The bad part is we'll never get to see him do it because everybody will yank him out after 70 pitches. Yeah, and that's the big thing with him. You know, he's a smaller guy. He's 5'8", 176. Obviously, there's not many major league starters of any you know type, aces or back-end guys that are that size. But he's strong within his frame. He's got a fast arm. He's a good athlete. And he's shown that ability throughout his career. Uh, he's thrown at least 170 innings, three consecutive seasons. And again, you see him holding 95, 96 into eighths, into ninths. There's really not much concern about his durability just because he's gone out there and shown it. Now, there's always a transition period in Japan. Pitchers only throw once a week. They come over to the U.S. It comes once every five days. The ball's a little bit different. But we've seen a lot of standout pitchers make that transition no problem. Again, Darvish, Tanaka, Otani, all the way back to Nomo, Daisuke Matsuzaka. This guy is on that level, so there's not really concern about his ability to make that transition going from pitching once a week to once every five days, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world. Do we know anything about his desires in the sense of talking to Masa, talking to Masahiro Tanaka, he didn't want to pitch for anybody but the Yankees. He had this historic view of the Yankees. Even when he, his years with the Yankees were done, he said, he told me, I will not resign with anybody except for the Yankees. And he, he stuck to that. So does Yamamoto have any concerns like that is there you know do we know anything on that end nothing public again Masahiro Tanaka was very much you know Yankees tried and true that was clear even when he was coming out Shohei Otani made very clear early on he wanted to pitch on the west coast or in the western half of the U.S. at least there hasn't been anything like that surrounding Yamamoto yet now again he still has yet to be formally posted his team orcs announced they were going to it isn't done yet there's still a lot of time to go in the offseason negotiations will unfold patterns will emerge but at this exact moment in time there's not really any specific geographic location that he reportedly favors and teams from all over have been scouting him the Cubs have been aggressively scouting him the Red Sox the Giants Dodgers Padres Yankees all the teams that we see are typically active in getting the top talent from Asia they're all involved coast to coast because this is one of those talents that if you have a shot you're going to take it what have you heard on the downside from scouts have you spoken to any scouts that are kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum here Kyle where they've said 
you know what, our team is not going to fork up this kind of cash for an undersized right-hander. Or, hey, we don't like how he's been pitching quite a bit over there. For example, 138 for some front offices, they're like hiding their eyes and saying, please make it stop. You know, they're hey, projecting like forward I said, already. He doesn't have to worry about it because he'll never get past 75. I know, but they're already looking back being like, first injury, we're going to blame this Japan series right, on it. 138 pitches. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I've actually actively tried to find that because you're right. The only right-hander who's a comparable size and frame is Marcus Stroman, and even Stroman's a little bigger. But I've been really surprised that I have not found anyone who is worried about him just because of what he's done, how strong he is, how the arm works. It's a clean delivery. And again, the big thing with him is he has a clean bill of health. You know, this isn't a guy who's only been throwing 90 innings a year for three years in Japan. He's been going 170 plus the last three years, you know, you know, into 150s earlier in his career. He's held up really well. There's not really any health concerns. So again, you never know. There's always a concern with every Japanese pitcher about you know like the mileage on their arms, especially the way they're thrown is used. You look at the Koshian tournament, there's guys throwing 200 pitches. But all in all, his medical reports to date are clean. He's shown the ability to log innings. He's shown the ability to hold his stuff and his command deep into games. He's got a deep pitch mix. I mean, everything you want to see from a guy, he has shown it. So there's not really any concern despite the fact he is smaller. So when I see Japanese guys, Japanese pitchers come over and I have a different evaluation for hitters, Japanese hitters, in a sense, are AAA type of contact oriented hitters. Obviously, guys in AAA strike out a lot. I think I've seen, I think it was your, maybe it wasn't your article. Yeah, it was your article. You wrote that he's a two or a three. And yet he is projected to make $200 million. So what I look at is outs in the zone. Outs in the zone is a huge precursor. We don't know what the hitters he was facing. We don't know, you know, we know the level of hitters and some of them are big league type of hitters, but most of them are just maybe a step down, maybe more like a platoon type of big league hitter. And his right. outs in the zones, he has 84 outs outside of the zone, strikeouts, 84 strikeouts in the zone. Comparable, yep. the only other pitcher, Jordan Montgomery, that's in a free agent this year. Jordan Montgomery is 80 and 86. 80 outside the zone, so very similar. Jordan Montgomery is how many years older and is looking to get 120, maybe 200 million is not enough. <laughs> you look, he's someone that is, is going to get paid. There's no question about it. You talk about the stuff in and out of the zone. He can blow hitters away with his fastball in the zone. It's 94, 96. He's been up to 99. It's got life. And the way it just comes out of his hand, it's like a speeding bullet. It just gets on hitters. It's direct. It's sharp. He can locate to both sides of the plate can elevate it so again it's not just pure stuff with him it's command and also he's aggressive he pounds the strike zone so even though maybe some of the strikeouts come outside the zone he's setting it up because he's so aggressive in the zone fastball fastball drops that plus splitter down below it guys are helpless and he's got a really good curveball too one of the things with a lot of asian pitchers japanese pitchers in particular is you see a lot of times they have good fastballs good splitters the breaking stuff maybe just needs a little more refinement and because it's not thrown a whole lot over there he's actually rare and unique in that he has a plus curveball already so you're getting a guy with three plus pitches out the gate 
He can set hitters up in the zone, finish them out of the zone. He can beat them in the zone. It's our ability to get out so many different ways with so many different pitches that makes him so appealing and why most projections have him getting that seven-year, $200 million type deal. Got to remember, he's in his mid-20s too. This isn't a guy who's in his early 30s and you're looking at a shorter window of his prime. In a lot of cases, he's still got his prime ahead of him. And again, even though it might not show up statistically from a scouting perspective, a lot of evaluators thought he was even better this year than previous years. This is a guy who's still getting better. And in his mid-20s, I mean, you guys know a lot of guys don't really peak till 28, 29. His best years might still be in front of him. Two questions for you on this front. Number one, does it matter when a head of a front office goes out to watch a player like this pitch in person? Or is it still just going to be about money? You know, the Oakland A's or whoever it is offers him more money, even if they're a shittier franchise, right? And they won't even give you a chair that works. You're going to go there. Is, is that a thing you think? I know Kratz mentioned Tanaka, but specifically in this case, and also Tanaka was a long time ago at this point. Curious on that front. And also if teams talk to players um, like Yamamoto about how they're going to use him, where Kodai Senga was really more of a once a week pitcher for the Mets. They almost always gave him an extra day of rest, which I think made a difference for him. Yeah, so in terms of relationships formed by general managers going over there, that's really player dependent, no different than American players. Some players, those interpersonal relationships are really important. Others, it's show me the money. And with you know Shohei Otani, for example, his relationship with Billy Epler, specifically Epler scouting him since he was a rookie with the Yankees, that played a role in his decision to sign with the Angels. In terms of Yamamoto, there have been no public outward signs of anything like that, where there's a special relationship he has with someone that will play a factor here. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to remember these negotiations haven't even started. He still hasn't even officially been posted. Teams haven't had the ability to engage with him yet. So once he's officially posted, teams are able to start engaging with him and his agent. We'll get a better sense for how much that means to him. But a lot of that's still to be determined. Okay, I'll probably get this name wrong. Shota Imanaga. Yeah. Imanaga. Imanaga? Yeah, okay, Shota Imanaga. Shota Imanaga. Imanaga, yeah. is he fitting himself in the top 20 free agents? Is that a lefty that has devastating off-speed, but maybe the fastball that might not quite play at the big league level? Or what are we looking at with him or other free agents that are coming over from Japan, Korea? Yeah, so Shota Imanaga, uh, we saw him start for Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic Finals against Team USA through the first couple innings. He's more of a crafty left-hander who's seen as kind of a back-end starter, a number four, number five, league average type of guy. His fastball sits 91-92, can get up to 95, and it's more of a deep pitch mix. He doesn't have a, a nasty split. You know, His slider is, is just kind of an average pitch, but he's able to move the ball around. He's able to change hitters' eye levels. He's able to kind of keep them off balance. He's a really smart left-hander, and he was very efficient. Most teams view him as that number four, number five, gives you five solid innings, and then you pull him out. There are a few evaluators who think that he might be best in more of a, a long relief role. We saw him pitch those two innings to start the finale of the World Baseball Classic against Team USA, and his stuff ticked up a little bit. And so there's a sense that if you put him in a two-inning type of stint, all of a sudden he can be a little bit overpowering. But as a true starter, which is what most teams are going to want their option A to be in signing him, again, it's more that crafty lefty back of the rotation, you know, four pitches, knows how to pitch, and, and can give you five solid innings than any sort of front of the rotation type of starter. 
Kyle, awesome to talk to you and definitely get the lowdown on Yamamoto and a little bit here on Imanaga. Um, got other guys to ask you about um, next time, so we'd love to have you back soon, obviously, to talk about Lee, the Korean outfielder, and also um, lefty reliever Yuki Matsui. But, of course, Craig Council decided to just absolutely rock our world today. So um, we appreciate you, Kyle. <laughs> we'd love to have you back on pretty soon, all right? My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Thank you, Kyle Glazer. And uh, you can find him on Twitter, of course, Kyle A. Glazer. Um, X, whatever you want to call it, from Baseball America, best of the biz covering this stuff. Raise your hand on the news. Who wants to Who wants to report it? Your hand's up. Mine? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I'm not doing it. It's one of you two. Mm -hmm. I, I, well, let's give it to Kratz. Yeah. Let's show I'll Kratz. Do it because Kratz because the Cubs we'll are his secret team, so he can celebrate inside. Okay. Ready? Go ahead. Craig Council to the Chicago Cubs. Boom! Right. Breaking news. And Ken, Ken Rosenthal's been all over this story all day. So. Props to him, but I'm mad at Ken. Why? Because I texted him five minutes before his five minutes to go tweet, and I said, "I know you know who it is," and he said, "I don't. If I did, I'd break it." And I called him a liar, and then 30 seconds later, he tweeted the Cubs. So, liar, Ken. He got the confirmation. You're a liar, Ken. What? You were getting a freaking your text day. got in the way of Council's text to him. You're pissed. Is David Ross pissed? He's in a contract. Where did he, go? he just got fired. Well, he's still getting paid. Or maybe he was leaving. Maybe there's another job that's out there that he felt like Where he was going to flock to. There's still a million jobs opening. The Padres job is not filled. The Angels job is not filled. Mm -hmm. Who Padres. else? Padres and I said Padres. Is that it? Brew crew. What if oh, him Brewers, and Astros? There's four. What if Ross goes to the Brewers and Council goes? That'd be awesome. The old switcheroo. It could happen. Your thoughts? I mean, does this blow your mind? First off, we know the Cubs, we didn't even hear about them as, as interviewing him, although they probably know him pretty well. I think the interview process for someone like Craig Council is pretty tired anyway. Like, oh, hey. This is some backwater, this is some backwater dealing here. Back channel. Angel. Or, or, it went uh, like this. Ready? Agent. Council's on FaceTime, and they're just like. Yep. Hold I mean, on, he's a free agent, on, so he could talk to anybody. I wouldn't say it was back channel dealing. I would just well, say it wasn't. It was. It was kept under wraps because we didn't hear that he oh, was yeah. going to interview. And you can't do that because you have a manager in place. So if you're going to make a move like that, it's got to be on the phone. You got to drop numbers and well, say. We could have shown up for an interview because people, somebody would have seen him. No, right? You don't think you can make it to Chicago? It's like 45 minutes from Milwaukee. All it would take is one person to see. I mean, unless they hit him walking into the stadium, there's nowhere a restaurant he could go to. I mean, unless nobody no sees, unless somebody sees his calves, they are not knowing that Craig Council is a big league manager. There's people that would know, I promise you. And around Wrigley Field, there's people that would know. Okay, Adam so maybe Adam covers the team and says managing the Cubs keeps Council close to home. Two daughters finish high school. Two sons play college baseball at Minnesota and Michigan. He inherits a team on the rides with huge resources. It all makes logical sense. But wow, I mean, they could just talk to. Also, there's phones. There's FaceTime, you yeah, know, no, all that no. stuff. Google Meet, whatever. It and it's blows money. my mind because David Ross was like the remember? Oh, he's the dream candidate to take over for Joe Madden. <laughs> he's the greatest. He's Grandpa Rossi. He's got all the room. He, everyone respects him. Da 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 da. And now he's gone. I mean, this isn't the first time the Cubs they did a renteria to Madden. They won a World Series, right? But I mean, you just think about the history of David Ross with the Cubs. You're like. Oh, he'll be there for life. Like Jed Hoyer is still there. You know, the Theo Epstein connection. He had Rizzo and Brian. He was their best friends and, and John Lester. And now all of a sudden, I mean, I, 
listen, a former teammate, I hope he ends up, I'm sure he'll land on his feet, whether it's on TV or at another job. But this is kind of surprising that – because he wasn't – although he did take heat at the end of last year. He did take some heat because it collapsed at the end of the year. And he was starting to get some heat, but still, man. Did you see their bullpen at the end of last year? I know, but still, man, David Ross was yeah. like a Cub legend. And now he gone. Their bullpen was like me asking who wants to break the Craig Council news. Who wants to come in? And then everyone's like, they can't lift their arms. They're like, no, please don't call on me to come in. <laughs> their bullpen was a disaster at the end of the year. They uh, were toast. They were. That's why nothing they to do. I mean, winning. I'm sorry. They did not make the playoffs because the roster was not good enough. They did not, you know, miss the playoffs because David Ross mismanaged the team. Now, I will say this, Kratz, just like what AJ mentioned, the Cubs value the manager position. So they said, hey, we think Craig Council's the best manager in baseball. It's worth the extra whatever, a few million bucks compared to what the average manager salary is right now. That's nothing, right? In the grand scheme of what you pay for a player, it is nothing. So if we think that that makes a difference, and it did for us in the past decade with Madden over Renteria, and we won a World Series, and we think that he was a big part of that, then this is easy for them. If they said, hey, we have the opportunity to sign the best manager on the market, period, right? They do it. That's what they did. And they've watched him. They've probably gone into every season going, Brewers aren't better than us, outside of maybe this year. The Brewers aren't better than us. Like how? And at the end of every season, how the heck do they keep beating us? Well, the first, the first shoe to drop is they get counsel. Does this, does this mean they're going to set off a huge offseason for the Cubs? Or are they thinking, well, we bring in counsel. We pay him more than we've paid any manager or anybody's paying any manager. And we'll just kind of continue to just float along with mediocre players and fill in and hope we do well. Or does this mean that they're going to be like deep into the Shohei talk? Are they going to be deep into – two starting pitchers in the free agent market? Yes. The yeah, answer is yes. Above. They're here's going my, to go in. Thing. Agree? Oh, they're all in now. They're going hard. Show this a, everyone's on the table for the I don't know if they're going to get Otani, but there's don't, there are a lot of other free agents they're, they're going to go They're in after. on everybody at this point because yes. of this news. Now, here's my, here's my thing about this. Council comes here, right, to the Cubs, okay? They're going to be in on every free agent. Nobody saw this coming. If you're every organization in baseball, you might have a manager, you might have a GM. This goes back to kind of the White Sox hiring Chris Getz without interviewing people. Take a shot and talk to everybody, right? Kim Ng hired Skip Schumacher. He wasn't really on anyone's list. Boom, goes there, they make the playoffs for the first time in 20 years outside of the shortened season, right? If you're an organization now, all bets are off. You can talk to whoever you want. Oh, we got a manager? Yeah. So lower. Oh, you're a free agent manager? Oh, well, we're going to talk to you for a little bit. It, it opens the door to a lot of possibilities now. GMs, owners, GMs, managers, coaches, right? Everyone used to be like, oh, David Ross is there. He's got two years left on his contract. He's safe. Eh-eh. Not anymore. But it also lends you to say, if you're an organization, talk to everybody you can because you might get ideas and someone might surprise you and be like, Oh, we have so-and-so under contract. Oh, boom, we can get this guy who we think better. Let's take him on. You don't think this is a one-off? I get what no, you're saying. No, it's not. It won't be anymore because teams copy. And if this works for the Cubs, it's going to be a lot of nervous managers. Right now, it's we decide on our manager as an organization. Once we make that decision, then we look at the pool of people available. You're saying now they're going to go, 
oh, I like someone that is available right now, or there's someone I want to discuss the manager position with. And if I have a good Padres combo and I have a good feeling about it. Padres and Giants, he wasn't even a free agent. The Giants call, like, can we talk to Bob Melvin? They're like, sure, we hate him. Get him out of here. <laughs> he gone. <laughs> no, everything's fine. Kumbaya. Yeah, remember, Bob Melvin's going to be back. Oh, he's going to be back Kumbaya. as the manager of the Giants. David Ross, two-year deal. He's got 24, option 25. He gone. He wasn't lying. He, he's going to be back. Giants play the Padres 13 times, so it's probably at least six times he's coming back to San Diego. Right. You can do all kinds of semantics. <laughs> but I'm serious. Like, think about it. Like, this opens the door for so many crazy things to happen now. And and also, like, think about, like, the whole – what you just said about, like, guys getting tired. Gabe Kapler, tired bullpen. Maybe GMs think, hey, maybe they think he wore out my bullpen. David Ross, tired bullpen. You know, so it's, it's – those are thoughts. I mean, it's not its not out of the realm of possibility. Next, and every team Kratzy. should be clamoring for the best manager as Kratzy, fans. Is, you're the Brewers. You're our Brewers fan here and Brewers liaison and Brewers. Really just the host of Brewers territory yeah, and yeah. a Brewers playoff legend. Does this mean the, the Brewers now rebuild? Burns, next domino to fall, he gone. Trade, Wood, Woody's out, right? Big Woo's out. Freddie Peralta, he gone. Seriously, they should like, hire David Ross. No, it would be so no. fucking awesome. No. no, come on. That ain't happening. Wait, wait. But think about now the Brewers. They lose counsel. He's like, wait. He's like, stop. Hold on. Role play time. Do you do you not think no. that the ultimate chip on anyone's shoulder of all time would be David Ross if he joins the Brewers and says, fuck you, and tries to win the division every year? Will he not spend 28 hours a day working at his craft to be better than everyone else? No. I mean, you can't. Are you serious? You can't change the roster. You wouldn't think you wouldn't take you, you don't think he wants to rip the freaking dagger sure out does. of his back and say no. fuck you guys. I'm yeah, about to it, rock this division yeah, right now. Yeah, but if he, here's the problem. He goes to the Brewers, they trade Burns, Woodruff's out. Well, that's different. Are I the mean, Brewers you, you only have a certain roster. Uh, that's a different also, story. How much of this also has to do with council being like looking at the team going forward and is like, "Eh, Cubs have a lot more spending power. They're kind of on the way up." Brewers kind of a peak. Again, Woodruff foul, Burns last year. Are we starting to see a little bit of the decline in the Brewers? We've said that before, though. I'm just pointing this out, too. Just, We've I'm said saying. that before. The Brewers Oop. had no farm system, and in the past three, four years, they built themselves up. They might have one of the best. I mean, they have, what, a top two prospect in yeah, the but sport. Which, He's which, a okay, if you're, potential superstar in Jackson Churio. Going forward with resources. Of course the Cubs. Okay. Then of course the Cubs. Leave. But, that's but, why you leave. But – but there I didn't are... even get down. You don't even know what I was going to say. Did I answer it correctly? <laughs> no, maybe not. Okay. I was going to say, which one has better tailgating? And you're like, of course, the Cubs. <laughs> nope. The Brewers. No, which he was going to say. Roof? The Cubs. He was going to say. Nope, which, the Brewers. Which Chicago, team, which Chicago team does AJ like better? And that's you the answered it. You answered it right. The Cubs. <laughs> the Brewers. But the Brewers are not going to com- – They're in my mind, they're not going to completely tear down and rebuild. I think they're a reload team. Even if they trade they're- Corbin Burns this offseason, they'll get two or three other young prospects pitching-wise. That'll probably be good very quickly. I think they're a top five, if not top three team in pitcher development. Okay. Which, Minor okay. leagues and big leagues. Okay, which – now, here's the next question. Which domino falls? Who are the candidates besides Eric Kratz for the Brewers job? Pat Murphy, Eric Kratz. David Ross. David Ross. <laughs> Christian Yelich. I would have said Stephen Vogt, but he's already a guardian. Andy um, Green. Really? 
He's not. You don't think he's gonna? He not. Well, he's not gonna get the Cubs job. Andy Green? No. He, I, he I, I understand what you're saying. Also, I think Andy Green got a bad rep, and then you flip it around and go, was it Andy Green at San Diego, or was it AJ Preller? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, everyone is a manager in San Diego for a minute. I think Jace Tingler is a guy that could get that could get that look. I'm just I'm just going with guys that. What about what about here's a name Will Venable. Yeah, I mean guys guys that I would say have experience. Not necessarily you know, Will Venable's not a manager yet, but I think he could be he could be a guy. But I don't think they're going to go after the. I would be I would bet a lot of money. That's my bet MGM lock for today. That they're not going after the Buck Showalters, the Joe Maddens. No, 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 no. Like those, those don't fit there. And as far as the whole rebuild that you're talking about, I feel like for how I've seen Antanasio, you know, run his money, I feel like they're going to be a perpetual retooling team. How do we perpetually retool? Is there ever going to be a year that they're going to say, bam, splash free agent? I don't know, but I don't know if they ever want to completely tear it down. Christian Yelich, they signed him to a huge deal. Boom, not splash. not a free agent, though. Yeah, but they traded for him and signed him to a huge deal. Derek, Derek again, chiming in, said Gabe Calvert. Gabe can't go, go there. There's a roof. He can't tan and wear sunglasses. No, that would not be. I'm just saying the Brewers are, even if they trade Burns, I don't think they're going to be a bad ball club next year. Like, there's some. Mm-hmm. Well, you we... do? Mm-hmm. I think you're overrating the division. No Brandon Woodruff. Cubs are going to be better. They're going to spend. Cardinals, oh, God, they can't be as bad as they were last year. Right? Pirates are supposed to be better. We say that every year. I don't know. Oh, well. So is Craig Council that big of a deal? Because Big Woo didn't, didn't make that many starts this year. So when he did start, he was elite. But they figure it out. They figure out how to find the pieces. And Cincinnati is going to be better? Oh, yeah. Right, so Cincinnati's going to be better. That's Scott's I, boo right there. Oh, it's the like Reds. Brewers, Did Brewers you, have Kratz. I have the White Sox, and Scott has. You, I have multiple. The teams, Reds, apparently. Mariners, Padres, Royals, <laughs> Tigers. Braves, Sorry Marlins. that before the season, I said, I said breaking news. No, breaking please, news: The Mariners the and the Padres are going to the World Series. I also said hammer the over on the Reds win total. Hammer it, and then they started off slow, and I said hammer it some more, and everyone did very well. <laughs> Matt Arnold's got himself a job now. Yes. Are we going to show fair territory? There it is. This week's topics from Ken include teams to watch this offseason, the manager carousel, Dudendork of the postseason, and Ken answers your questions and grill and Ken. Today is manager madness. Manager madness. So we're getting more news about Craig Council. Five years over 40 mil from the Cubs. Todd Rosiak, who covers the Brewers, said that Milwaukee offered him in the neighborhood of five and a half million per season, which would have easily made him the highest paid manager in MLB. Everyone expected the Mets to throw seven mil per season or more at council. No one expected the Cubs to do so. Wow. That's cute. Five and a half and saying, hey, Craig, we're going to make you the highest paid manager at five and a half. But if the Cubs are offering you eight plus a year, that's not even close. You got destroyed. You got destroyed. They swept you up in your own division and spit you out and said, you're not offering him what he's worth. That's what happened just now. That's a fact. You can say, we're making you the highest paid manager, but if another team comes over and blows your offer away, this is the equivalency of, in free agency, some 
top end starter getting an offer from one team that's like 165 mil, and then another team goes, we'll give you 200. It's not even a question. Forget is, about the location and well, the where everyone's kids go matter. to where and whatever. Matter, but this came down to one thing and one thing only. Money, 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 money. I'm sorry. If money, let me ask you, you can a buy question. a jet for that amount of money. He's going to make more and freaking fly back and forth. So let me ask you a question. Let's just say a team on the West Coast ended up being the team that was the Cubs that offered him eight and a half. Okay, and five and a half was the offer from Milwaukee. Knowing what we have known, the one thing we knew, Kratz, was that Craig Council was a part of the players' union, a prominent part of the players' union when he was a player, fought for guys getting paid what they deserve trying to bring that same mentality to the manager position. And I think he will change the manager position during this time period now to get certain guys of value paid to a better standard for the work that they do. So this was about money. Now, yeah, if a team offered eight and a half and a team offered 8.3 or whatever, okay. But clearly the Cubs blew him away with an offer and he goes there. So I do think that it is number one about the money, number two about the money, number three about the money. I mean, I don't know if there was a question in there. I think it was just a comment. I completely. Well, yeah, I know. Can, can I tell you why? The Here's the question. Do you think at the, at the intro press conference, they'll be like, was this about being close by to your kids and your family and stuff like that? You know what's close to anybody? A private jet if you make an extra $3 million a year. That's real. Like, you can go, you can go day game to night game and go and see – Minnesota play Penn State in Penn State. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's definitely good for him because he's not going to get injured. Good for the Cubs. Good for him. Like, this contract is going to work out. This contract is going to be worth every penny that they that he got and that the teams got. And he knew that. He wasn't sitting there like, oh, man, it'd be neat to be the highest paid he went in to try to change it to the point where he changed my mindset about managers. Like, holy smokes, eight million a year? I'm just, I'm waiting to, I'm waiting to re-up my foul territory contract now because I'm getting blown up on my phone here. How many managerial? Oh, still none. Never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna have so much leverage. Yep. I mean, yes. Does this affect the rest of the manager positions? Has to. It has to. Why, why would it not? Especially if a manager sitting out there going, oh, well, I have two manager of the year awards. I have one manager of the year award. Craig Council never got that award. So I must be a must be, much better manager. I want to renegotiate my contract. That, okay, so. It has to. All right, we have two more things to get to before we get out of here. Number one, let's let's go to this first, just because we didn't really give it much time, and you um, spent some time with him in the organization. Kratz, Carlos Mendoza, some people asking, including D. Rod, who's, who's usually there. We go, hot corner, uh, in a pretty good mood in the chat. Not not in a great mood right now. D. Rod said, "Yanks have been criticized the last few years for bad on field decisions. Mendoza was the bench coach." No bueno. As a Yanks fan, congrats, Mendoza. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. So definitely not um, in a great mood about the current Yankees situation and wanted to get your thoughts and kind of said, you know, prove me wrong. Tell me why this is going to be a good hire for the Mets. Bench coaches really don't, like, as a bench coach, you're not the same person as you are as a manager. A manager has to dictate 
how coaches are best utilized. So Boone is more of the outspoken type of manager. He's not a quiet manager. So normally you would need a, you know, kind of reserved type of bench coach. And Carlos Mendoza is an incredible, he does an incredible job of being able to connect with different types of players in the sense of, you know, Latin American, Spanish speaking, English speaking. And he also connects really well with his other coaches. I feel like the bench coach makes that connection in the sense of, hey, I know what those guys need. I have to relay that to the manager. And he is one of the most prepared. He schedules, he schedules a lot of spring training. He does all that, you know, spring training schedule, which is an absolute joke. If you ever talk to anybody that has to do that, it is so much work. And he is very empathetic. He understands what it's like to be in different situations, even though he didn't have the big league career that other people have had. He is, he's in that New York market. So I wouldn't, as a Yankee fan, I wouldn't say, man, we got rid of Carlos Mendoza. Oh man, here we go. World series. He was not the reason. Okay. So pump the brakes, D-Rod. Um, can I make this case too? Because you can see this in fair territory. Ken talks about how maybe we'll get a little shift in terms of manager hires because of Bruce Bochy coming in so quickly and winning. This is not one of those cases. This is a new manager situation. My thought on this front is the Mets spent a lot of money on bringing David Stearns over. He is definitely going to be running the ship there. You want someone that is not going to cause friction from the bat when you're joining a new ball club and trying to really restructure a lot of what the Mets have done. There's still a lot of like cleaning up to do in terms of the whole organization. Do you get what I'm saying, Kratz? Like Mendoza comes from an organization in the Yankees who really run in a similar operation in terms of the front office having the say, right? And you need, and this is how, you know, what, 90% of teams are running right now where the front office is definitely the top decision maker in terms of, not just how the roster is constructed, but then how the lineup's constructed, how the game script is constructed. You, you don't want someone coming in right off the bat, or at least the Mets made that decision, that is going to cause too much friction. Is that fair to say? I would push against that. I would say okay. David Stearns is not looking to run. I mean, hey, maybe, maybe it's something different that he's going to do in New York. I would, not, I would not say that David Stearns is somebody that wants to put his finger on top of whoever he hires. He wants to hire somebody that did the job like counsel. Talk, collaborative. What do you know? Hey, this is our advanced guy. What does our advanced guy bring in? If the advanced guy doesn't bring something in, kick him to the curb. Because the way Stearns, I saw him run the organization, it was very much like I'm hiring people, good people in each situation that I would trust to hire two more people in that situation. And then I would hire someone else in another spot that I would trust to hire to build a full well-run machine at a big league level, but also that coincides and really works well collaboratively with the minor leagues. So I, I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't see Stearns being a very like, hey, I got my hand on the button. Here's your lineup. He's going to say, hey, you know what? This is what we have. Here's your lineup. I'm handing it over to you. How do you feel about it? Well, you know what? I saw this guy coming in 
you know, he came in late three days in a row. I don't think that's the type of guy that we need in the lineup every single day. And Stearns won't be like, no, this is what it says. You have to do it. He'll be like, okay, like this is how we connect. It's a people driven. If Stearns runs it like he ran the Brewers, it's a people driven organization that now has just endless Uncle Steve cash. Okay. And then lastly, on the news front, which we were planning to get to way earlier, but the Craig Council news crashed the day. Peter Bendix is going to take over the front office for the Miami Marlins. It's controversial in how not he takes over, but how the last you know person that was running the front office departs. We covered it. One of the few places that I saw anywhere covering it, how Kim Ng in our mind was pushed out of there for no reason. It has nothing to do with Peter Bendix in my mind. I mean, he's done a really nice job in his role with the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's get a little more from Ken on Fair Territory, which just came out today. Peter Bendix is exactly what the Marlins were looking for. They wanted someone who had been with the Rays, someone who had that experience working with a low payroll team and making it competitive, someone who is analytically oriented as well. They wanted both those things. They had initially discussed or talked about going after Heim Bloom, but that didn't go anywhere. Heim Bloom has a year left of getting paid from the Red Sox and didn't really want to make a change at this time. So they end up with Bendix, who of course has been the Rays general manager under Eric Neander, and a guy who obviously has had success in fielding a competitive major league team for not a lot of money. So what does this mean for the Rays? They've lost people before, right? Andrew Friedman, James Click, Matt Arnold, you name it. And now they're going to have to find one more replacement to work under Eric Neander. Eric Neander is still the head of baseball operations. They have people internally they can turn to. They are, as always, a progressive, forward-thinking organization. And I expect that they'll keep rolling along with really minimal disruption. Good stuff from Ken and much more on Fair Territory, which is out now YouTube and wherever you get your pods. So it sounded like Kyan Bloom was also asked about this job and he turned it down and didn't want to go there, at least for now either. So here's what I see. One of the top five phrases or storylines that I use on this show in baseball is that so many teams, so many owners specifically, want to be like the Rays. The Rays. Spend money. What's, a, what's the best way to do that? bring in someone like Bloom or someone like Bendix who's been in the organization. They, they want to know what the key ingredient is to the secret sauce of running an operation that is consistently competitive in a difficult division by spending very little money and making a ton of profit. No team wants to do that probably right now more than the team that's in the same state that can drive a few hours and see how they run. Well, it doesn't look as good in person sometimes because the ballpark sucks and the attendance wasn't there in the playoffs, but the Rays, by mm-hmm. any other account in baseball, when they're at the owners' meetings, they sit down, they shake um, Stu Sternberg's hand and go, congratulations, dude, your team is good, and you are making a ton of money. That's a <laughs> fact, and that's what other owners aspire mm-hmm. to be like, especially the Marlins, because they're not operating with the same budget as many other teams, right? They can't convince people to fill up that ballpark consistently. So they want to be like the Rays. They don't want to spend money. And in my mind, that's partially why they bring someone over from that front. Now, does that mean that Kim Eng couldn't run a team in that way? No. 
At the same time, though, she might have made some suggestions like, hey, this free agency, we should pick up this, this, and this. And they might have been like, well, we don't want to do that. The Rays don't do that. They're not going to sign anyone big like that, right? I mean, there could be friction just on the simple fact that Kim and go back to Derek Jeter when he was there too, said, hey, can we spend a little bit more to be competitive during our winning window? And, you know, they kind of smacked their hand off of the checkbook. No, no. You cannot spend anything. You have $4 million that you can spend the whole offseason. Hein Bloom might have gotten to the part of the interview and gone, wait a minute. They only let me spend how much last year of the Red Sox, which wasn't very much. I'm only going to get to spend this much with the Marlins. I'm good. I'm still getting paid by the Red Sox. I'll just go home and do some kind of advisory role. Yeah. Listen, the Marlins made the move they made. We criticize them for getting rid of Kim Ng, obviously, but the thing for me is you know, each each organization does what they want to do. I mean, they're going to make the decisions they're going to make. We just talked about Craig Council taking over for David Ross. You just never know what's going to happen. They're making the move, the best move they think for the, organ, for, for the Marlins organization, and Peter Bendix moving from Tampa to Miami. I mean, he's probably getting a pay raise. He's getting a promotion, and good for you. Okay. Only 30 of those jobs. That's right. That's true. And only 30 no, no, no. owners, and they get to do whatever the hell they want. True that. All right, let's slap. You have something for us? I do. A uh, huge match today. Is this a soccer thing? Yep. Oh, my God. Huge, man. Here we go. Let's go. Come on, you Spurs. Big game today. They're playing Chelsea. I'm just watching video of them entering the field. This is back. Welcome home. Welcome home, Spurs. I give everyone permission to leave the. As you see my shirt. Come on, you Spurs. They they spell it like a derby, but it's called the Derby versus Chelsea. Fuck them. Let's go, Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. All right. Good luck to you. Good luck to your team. Thank you. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. See, look here. It's More interestingly, look, oh, it's starting kick, now. They're about Kratz, to what's on your head? Hey, Jim, it was really close. Iron pigs. The war pigs. Lehigh Batty, I don't pigs. I feel like I see this. like a patriotic hog. Mm-hmm. I feel like I see this pig in AJ's backyard when we go hunting with Scott and he can rub the mm. blood all over his face. Mm. <laughs> and Scott's going to have to eat the meat. Yeah. I, I, I can have some pork. I'm okay. Thank you. That doesn't um, have flour in it or onions <laughs> or taste. Or Wait, taste. I, I had a great tweet that I saw. Uh, Dan Lennon, I forget what publication he goes. By my count, Carlos Mendoza does have some MLB managerial experience. He replaced Aaron Boone 24 times after ejections <laughs> and also suffered him twice on his two suspensions. Let's go. A lot more to get to on Tuesday, obviously, to keep unraveling all of the news and finish up manager musical chairs. That was a Monday. That was a lot of shit went down. Craig Council, you owe us. Oh, today. yeah. Happy birthday, Lindsay, our intern, one of our interns. Happy birthday. One of the few that haven't left us for hot greener pastures. That's not true. <laughs> Vinny Pasquintino tomorrow. Pasquatch will join us. We'll see you then. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. 
Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 